May we affirm our faith with joy and a willing spirit as we hear today's scripture. Our reading is from Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, I urge you, brother and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by re the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, God's good, pleasing, and perfect will. This is God's word for God's people.
So we're at the halfway point in our ser- sermon series in Becoming Our Best. Today's sermon is about learning. And to become the best version of ourselves, we have to be continued to lifelong learning. We can't think that there's a certain point where we're done, that there's no more yet to come, because God is always creating something new. Amen? Amen. As Walt has expressed in previous sermons, we have been reading and rereading a book by Mike Slaughter entitled Momentum for Life. And Mike Slaughter is a retired clergy person out of Ohio who serves one of the, or served one of the largest United Methodist churches in the denomination. He says about learning, we must sustain a never out of school attitude of a child if we are to truly enter into the fruitfulness of the kingdom living, or of kingdom living. If we want that gracious spirit to dwell with us, we have to be prepared for that spirit to dwell within us, amen? I'm gonna say amen a lot today, I apologize in advance. Um, We have to take the time to grow, to be stretched, to be challenged in the process. And as I said, lifelong learning comes at all age, at all ages. Sometimes when we're youth and young adults, we think, oh, I know it all. I've got this down, we're good to go. I don't need any help. So I don't need to dedicate myself to any more learning. As we get older in years, we can think, I have served God well. There is nothing more that God can do with me. But the truth is that we are, at every age, supposed to strive and continue learning to see how God is calling us forward, how God is inviting us to become our very best. As I was talking about this sermon possibility and the themes of this topic with Warren, my husband, over the last couple of days, he goes, this sounds a lot like the movie The Ultimate Gift. And I went, tell me more. And he goes, well, it's about someone who, who had stopped learning, who had given up, who thought that he had it all down and didn't need to know anymore. He was secure in who he was, but he wasn't really secure in who he was. And it was through gifts that his grandfather gave him that he learned who he was supposed to be. To tell you a little bit more about this movie, The Ultimate Gift is the story of a young man named Jason who basically had his life handed to him on a silver platter. His grandfather was a multimillionaire and had enough to provide for his kids and his grandkids and probably his great-grandkids for years to come. And all of them felt very entitled because of that gift. But his grandfather wanted something more to come from what he had earned than the way that his kids were spending the money. So he set his grandson, instead of inheriting a sum of money, forth to do a whole bunch of tasks to receive gifts that would help him grow into the person he was meant to be. Over the course of time, Jason learned about the gift of work, the gift of true friendship, the gift of failure, the gift of one perfect day, the gift of having dreams, and the gift of fulfilling dreams, just to name a few. And in the process, he grew from someone who was basically atrophied in who they might become into growing into being open to how the Spirit might guide and direct him so that he might be able to do more things for God with the gifts that he had been given. 
Our whole life work, regardless of what we do, is to become an honorable and excellent offering to God. It is through the renewing of our minds that we continue to make these offerings to our Lord. That's why the scripture that we read this morning talks about renewing our mind. Because to renew our mind, we are stretching it. We're growing. We're open to new possibilities. How do you stretch your mind, you might ask? Mike Slaughter is really good at giving tangible ways of examples. Last week he talked about the acronym SUN, about how you do devotion and Bible study. This week he gives us three words, and uh, I don't like the acronym that comes with it, but I had someone give me a new acronym after worship, the last worship service. The three things that he encourages us to do for lifelong learning are reading, observing, and doing. And someone came out to me after worship and said, but Rachel, you don't really like the acronym ROD for learning. Um, I, there's too many old adages out there about RODs in, in learning that I was like, I don't like that so much. So he, he came up to me and he goes, but Rachel, if you flip the order, it's D-O-R, which you could say is door. And when you approach a door, you have the opportunity to new beginnings and new understandings and stepping into something new. And I was like, ooh, we're going to do that, but I'm still going to teach it to you in the other order because it makes sense to start with reading. So reading. We're encouraged to read. Did I tell you all three of them, or did I just say that it's spelled letters? Okay. Reading, observing, and doing. We're going to start with reading. We should always be reading something. And for those of you who have heard me talk about my learning disability, you know that, that sometimes there's stumbling blocks to the reading process. But there's no reason why we have to give up reading. I am an avid listener of books on audio. It feeds my soul, it nurtures my spirit, and oh, let me tell you, my commute is fabulous because I get to have new opportunities and bridges to new worlds every single time I sit down in the car. And it's such a great joy. And when a book, whether it's, whether it's free read or intellectual reading, both of them can challenge me and stimulate me and help me grow into someone more. And sometimes if a book is really intriguing to me, I'll buy it on digital as well. Now, I know lots of us love books, the tangible paper books. And I'd love to say that it's because of Marie Kondo that I don't want to buy any more books on paper. But if you've seen my office, you know that that's not the case. <laughs> and if anyone doesn't know who Marie Kondo is, go Google her after worship and you'll understand more. Um, but I, I, I like the digital copies because I can highlight, I can make notes, I can cut and paste and put them in different places really easily to, to utilize it and use these books that are helping me grow in different ways. Oh, book groups. So as we read books, whether it's in paper form, digital form, listening to it form, we are growing. But sometimes we need some help in the process of doing that. I probably have read more books since I've been a part of book groups than I did before that. With the learning disability that I have, I can confess that I read one entire book all the way through my high school academic career. Sorry. I apologize. But now I do, because I understand the value and the importance. And 
I know that there's books that I have to go back and reread. <laughs> book groups help us, encourage us to get all the way through, to talk about themes, to see how they help us grow. Pastor Walt talked about a book group that he was in at La Jolla a couple weeks ago. I'm in an online book group right now that is helping us talk about for the love, talking about how we live in the world to express the love of God and how to be the best Christians possible. We've been talking online on a platform on Facebook, and I'm so excited that we finally get to meet face-to-face and gather and give each other hugs and support each other on the journey. As much as I talk about loving the digital world, I also know the value of face-to-face communication. We can learn so much by sitting with someone and being present to them. Maybe that's why observation is so important. When we're sitting present to someone, we can see things that we don't see otherwise. We can experience the world. We can observe what's going on around us and see those hidden cues that we might be missing. Observation also helps us to see those people who have forged a path, who have done something new, who can teach us something along the way. We can find those people that can mentor us and to help us grow. Another book group that we have at the church meets on Tuesday mornings, and I sat down with them this week as they were reading an Advent book that they still haven't finished yet. I love it because they're so in-depth with it that they're like, we're taking it slow and steady to get through all the themes. The theme that they talked about this week was about finding your Elizabeth and your Mary. So in the Advent story, we know that Mary goes and visits Elizabeth, and together they visit, they share, they support one another. And the author of the book, Adam Hamilton, asked the question, who is your Elizabeth and who is your Mary? Who is the person who is your mentor that is helping you to grow or who has helped you to grow into the person that you are? And who is the person that's coming behind you that you are helping to nurture, to grow, to come up in faith in such a way that they understand the gifts that God is trying to give us? In that group, I talked about a mentor that I have that's a dear friend of mine, Diane, who I actually say that we're more sisters than we are friends because we just share with each other and it's a mutuality that goes back and forth. But as I've been thinking about this and as I've been praying about this sermon, I realized that another mentor that I need to lift up is Walt. He has a gentle, gracious way of doing things that he doesn't necessarily say, hey, you need to change your ways. He just leads by demonstration. He leads by example. He has taught me a new level of appreciation for learning and taking what we learn and applying it in new ways. So I can guarantee you any book that he reads, he's taken copious notes about, he's been praying over it, he's been discerning it, and then he's been praying about how it applies to this place and this time. And he's encouraging me to do the same exact thing. And for that, I say thank you for being my mentor. Our world encourages us to go at a fast, fast pace, but we're supposed to stop and observe. We lost someone this week who talks to us and teaches us the beauty and the power of observing the world around us. Mary Oliver is a poet extraordinaire who has received multiple awards and writes poetry about nature and animals and tells us to pause to see what's going on, and to appreciate what we can learn from the world around us. 
it is so important to recognize that learning doesn't just come from books, but learning comes from the interactions that we have with people. When we sit at a location and just observe the way that people interact with the interact with each other, when we take a moment to see when someone that we've spent time with is behaving differently than normal, we are observing something that helps us to grow and helps us to be with them in whatever is going on in their lives. I had a friend in seminary who would always coordinate hikes to the Rocky Mountain National Park, and he would always have a destination in mind. And his goal was to get there as quickly as possible. He's like, let's go, let's go, let's go. Okay, guys, let's go. So he was a great cheerleader. But in the process, he always forgot to appreciate what was going on around him. And there's so much beauty in the destination, but there's also beauty in the journey. Some people can go at that breakneck speed to get that diploma or that degree and not retain any of the information that they have. And some people find a way to really take in the information that they're learning. So it's not just a check mark on a to-do list, but it's something that enriches their lives, emboldens their personality, and helps them to truly become the best that they can be. The third thing that we have to do is do. We learn best from hands-on experiences. So if we use the example of my mentor, Walt, he doesn't just demonstrated to me, he also says, okay, you've gone to this training. Bring that information back to us. Share it with me. Share it with the church. Do it so that you know how, and I'll support you in the process. In the act of doing, we learn so much. At Children's Message this morning, I shared that uh, I learned several things on a um, snow adventure day with the kids yesterday. One of them is, is that just because you packed clothes for the last snow adventure, you can't assume that they're in the car. <laughs> the other one is that when you are choosing your place to sit, make sure it's not in the line of the sled path. Um, and why am I telling you this story? What's that? Uh, well, I did learn things. I did learn not to set my seat in a different location. But it's through the act of doing it that I'm 75% positive that I will not forget this lesson the next time that we go. There's the possibility that I might forget it, but I definitely have more of an ingrained memory with the black and blue mark that's on my thigh because of it. <laughs> the Bible repeatedly challenges us to pursue wisdom. Slaughter says that wisdom requires bigger thinking. It requires new thinking. Wisdom requires the exercise of a person's mind. God cannot use narrow-minded people, closed-minded people, or empty-minded people. Jesus said that we can't put new wine into old wineskins, which have lost their ability to stretch. When Slaughter said that in the book, I had to pause. I had always thought about this passage and gone, okay, old wineskins, once you've used them once, they're, they're, you can't use them anymore. But he's challenging us to think about our lives, our brains, our souls as wineskins that can continually be stretched, continually be challenged, and can continually be new wineskins that God can use for the furthering of the kingdom. We all 
have to make sure that our brains, our hearts, and our very beings are ready for what God wants us to do and when God calls us. God is looking for people with flexible minds that can receive new ideas and for people who will let those ideas be manifest, manifested into physical reality. God will not trust the valued aged wine of redemptive wisdom to the minds that are not subject to the practice of stretching to the everyday discipline of renewed thinking. If we're not stretching our minds, God can't use us as well as God would like. We have become like Jason in the movie, that our, our spirits are atrophied and God while wanting to use us, needs us to grow, to be in a place that's receptive. As people of faith, we need to say that we're looking forward to the next new thing. What's the next thing that God is calling us to? What's the next thing that God is inviting us to realize about ourselves, about our community, about those people that we are called to serve? Many people, many of God's children, have let their souls and their minds be atrophied. But we need to exercise our minds to be transformed and renewed. We want the living presence of Christ dwelling within us so that the sermons we write, the poems that we create, the artwork that that it that comes from our creativity and the music that we compose, just to name a few. Because I know that we have poets and musicians and painters in our midst, that it's always new. I know that Jane doesn't say, oh, I really loved that poem, so I'm all done writing. <laughs> she says, God's putting a new word in me. I know that Beverly doesn't say, I have no more left to paint, but instead says, what is my inspiration? I was going to use Fred, but he got up. <laughs> I know, because he's being used in another way, but Fred paints as well. Um, I know that Bruce, Bruce uh, I don't know if he's here today. I don't see you, Bruce, but um, Bruce is composing a new piece of music as we speak for another group. So he, he is continuing to let God grow and stretch him so that he might be used. He's allowing himself to be new wineskin. And sometimes it's difficult. Stretching can hurt. But the reality is, is that when we discipline ourselves to taking the time for the reading, the observing, and the doing, we bring about a beautiful harvest. You could say the benefits are out of this world. We have to hold ourselves not to the standards of those around us, but to God's standards, because God is inviting us to be co-creators in the world, bringing about God's kingdom here on earth. When we take the time to allow God's spirit to dwell within us, we are allowing God's kingdom to be manifest. Now, I don't know about you, but there are times that I look at someone and I go, wow, they have done great things, and it seems like they've done 15 things to my one thing. And I know we're not supposed to compare, but those are the people that I look to and say, what are you reading? What are you learning? What is motivating you so that I might take those cues from you to do some of that in my own life? I don't want to be you. 
I want to be me, but I want to learn some of the gifts that you've learned so that I can be the best me possible. It's important for us to grow. It's important for us not to compare ourselves to others, but to learn from them so that we might become more. We need to remember, regardless of our age, that God's best is yet to come. Consider some of these lifelong learners. Julia Child was promoting her book, Mastering the Art of French Cooking, on a public TV station at the age of 50. The 27 viewers that watched the show loved it so much that they wrote in and said, can you please bring her back? And they brought her back, created three pilots, and out of that launched the production of The French Chef, which aired for four years and brought French cooking to the, to the States. Michelangelo was at the age of 59 when he learned a new method of painting upside down and painted the creation of Adam on the ceiling of the Sixteen Chapel. He was even older when he did several other pieces of art, but I couldn't pronounce the names of any of the chapels that he painted in, so I chose not to use those. <laughs> at 62, J.R.R. Tolkien published the first volume of his fantasy series, The Lord of the Rings. At age 66, Colonel Harlan Sanders started the chain Kentucky Fried Chicken. At age 73, Ronald Reagan became the oldest person to be elected to president when he was re-elected to office. Golda Meir became prime minister of Israel at the age of 71. Nelson Mandela became the first black president of South Africa at the age of 75 after being a political prisoner for 27 years. Mary Oliver, who I referenced earlier, published her final anthology of poems entitled Devotions in 2017 at 81. At 81, Benjamin Franklin um, was elected to the Continental Con Constitutional Convention leading our country to a different course than what might have been taken otherwise. He was also the oldest person to sign the Declaration of Independence at 1776 when he was 70 years old. Grandma Moses, took a painting in her 70s and created her most famous painting, The Old Checkered House, at the age of 82. Did you know that she took up painting because arthritis had crippled her hands so that she could no longer embroider? So she still wanted to be creative and she learned something new to express that creativity. At age, six, or at age 96, Harry Bernstein published his first book, The Invisible Wall, three years after he started writing to cope with the loneliness with loneliness after his wife of 70 years, Ruby, passed away. Can you imagine printing your first book at 96 years old? We can continue to grow. We can be lifelong learners. God can be doing something new in each and every one of us. We must each practice the spiritual discipline of lifelong learning. We must hold on to the inquisitive nature of the child within us so that we don't miss the incredible wonders of the kingdom. Our work becomes honorable and an excellent offering to God as we contribute to the well-being of others. It's true worship when we use the gifts that we have to help others grow as well. The key to staying in the hand of God, this is a quote from uh, Slaughter, the key, to stay, the key is staying in the hand of God on a daily basis. And that's not as easy as it sounds. Slaughter says that when he fails to stay available to God by neglecting the practice of his daily disciplines, he becomes more like a marble than a grape. 
inflexible and devoid of anything to offer to others. You can't squeeze life out of a marble. Our world is constantly changing, and God is continually creating new wine. But you can't put today's wine into yesterday's wineskins. I pray that each and every one of us commits ourselves every day to the discipline of learning, to keep us moving forward, allowing our spirit, our mind, and our very self to be the new wineskin that God needs to build the kingdom of God as we become our best selves. Amen.